Forgotten Heroes, everybody. My name's Chris. I'm here with my good friend, Zach. Zach, how we doing, buddy? I am doing pretty good, you know. I feel a little super, like the walls don't affect you. All right. <laughs> I got nothing. See, I'm just feeling. You were going somewhere with it, but welcome back to Forgotten Heroes, everybody. The show where we discuss uh, superheroes and their alternate forms, those who may have been lost to time and or a.k.a. forgotten. So here we are not forgetting about them, a.k.a. remembering them. And today we're going to discuss Katie Pride from the X-Men. Um, largely sort of portrayed by Elliot Page uh, in the early 2000 X-Men movies as sort just, of a... Can I just say something real quick? Oh, yeah, go for it. Every now and again I forget that, that he is Elliot now. And, I'm, and I honestly could be like... I, every now and again I'm like, wasn't it always Elliot? And I'm like, no, you... That's and then I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. The fact that you're thinking that is like, you know, makes sense. But well, every Elliot now and again, Page, I'm just like, yeah, every now and again, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We love him. We love him. We love him. Uh, but portrayed by Elliot Page, the early 2000s movies, uh, Kitty Pride is a character who is intangible. Um, so she can move through solid surfaces and sort of like affect her molecular structure. And she can take people with her um, and, you know. She has some versatility to her power, and there's also some pretty huge versatility to her character. Interestingly enough, when I did research on her, there wasn't a whole lot of change in her character. She's usually canonically good or follows some sort of, like, neutral form um, with, like, one exception that I could sort of find that we are going to talk about today that's very, very quick. Um, But, yeah, there's not a whole lot of change throughout the multiverse with Kitty um, and I think that sort of somewhat could be a compliment to her character. But I also think if you wanted to go the villain route with Kitty Pride, um, you could have some really interesting storylines, whether it be one shot or not, um, or sort of off you of the, some really, the expanded universe. You could have, some, go ahead. You could have some really fucked up ones with her power set. Yeah, she could be gnarly. So uh, there's the potential I mean, there. But is, it doesn't seem like it's been acted on too much. She's, I mean, the really position been. she's in right now, I would say is like she's still anti-hero. a hero-esque, but she's closer to anti-hero um, being sort of the, the Red Queen. And so, yeah, her Which that always – I have to say – I'm sorry. This, oh, that always confused me with the Hellfire Club. I'm like, okay, your names are chess sets. When did we get a red set? Like right. you yeah. Black Queen, White Queen. Like that I got. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, we have the red set. I'm like – I think we're getting confused between – uh, cards I, and chess sets. I think that's what's that's, happening. That's why I'm like, no, because because then it would be the red, the red and the black. There wouldn't be white. So right. I don't know where the fuck you're going with this. Right. Yeah. No, it's odd, but honestly, it fits her character. Um, and I will get on a little bit of a soapbox for a recurring form of her character throughout the multiverse that has happened a couple times. I have a little bit of an issue with it. I think it's due to something specific that I'll talk about. I'm not going to jump into it right now, but before we go crazy with anything, uh, let's discuss what we've been reading. I have not been reading very much. I have been following through with something ki- is killing the children online, um, sort of reading through the issues that I find on there because I am still very, very busy. However, I have been listening to quite a few comic podcasts mm-hmm. um, in addition to reviewing our own. And those have very like they've filled the gap and they have healed my soul a little bit, finding fellow nerds out there who also enjoy talking about the things that we do. And um, I'm not going to say specifically which podcasts I'm listening to, uh, because it is very much a matter of opinion. 
Um, but there's, you know, lots of cool comic podcasts out there, and it's nice to sort of potentially exchange messages and find like minds and go from there. Um, so that's all I'll say about that. But I haven't been reading very much. I've been listening more than I have been reading. Um, I think with break coming up here, I'll have a little bit more time to do that and sort of flex those comic muscles again. But um, that's where I'm at right now. I'm also sort of kind of catching up for stuff because Zach and I accompanied one another to Comic-Con this year um, in October. And we got to see quite a few releases that are coming out, we, some of which we talked about in the episode when we came back from Comic-Con when I visited him. Um, but I'm making sure that I have the issues that I need for the upcoming releases. So catching up on the new Spider-Man, which is super unlike me to not stay in with Spider-Man. Um, this past week hasn't been so much of that. Reading up on a little bit of Kang, reading up on some X-Men, um, staying in staying in tandem with things and very woefully brushing up on my Mary Jane and Black Cat, which is, you know, a thing. More so Mary Jane than Black Cat, because I like Black Cat as a character. Mary Jane, I can very much give or take. But unfortunately, she's still alive, so she is a part of the universe, and therefore I need to have information about her. But that's where I'm at right now. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, times are changing, and I'm excited for things that are coming through. So what about you, buddy? What you been reading? I have finished um, Volume 3 of Lower Olympus. Ooh. Uh, so that, that, you know, my only, I think my only romance book I've ever truly read. Uh, but that's also because it's based on mythology, so uh, I'm a sucker for that. I finished Volume 3 of Transformers Beast Wars, which I remember I did my research, and I'm like, some of these characters aren't here. What's happening here? You know, I was like, where's Air Razor? Where's Tigertron? Or Tigertron, right? And I'm like, where where are they? Oh, now, here they are, they're, and they're, they're villains. They're not on the Predacons. They're not on the Maximals. They're off on the side, so... I'm like, see, now it's a true reimagining because now we have we finally have everybody that if you've watched Beast Wars, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And except for, you know, we were missing two of them. And now here they are. I'm like, oh, good. Um, I've finished Black Panther, uh, Black Panther Doom War just before seeing Black Panther 2. Oh, we're not talking about that. Um, because no, we, are not. we cannot without talking spoilers. We may maybe we'll do a spoiler. Maybe we'll do our review, but before it actually comes out digitally or for streaming but such a good movie but well we definitely if we do that we'll definitely put um spoilers you know yeah yeah for sure or or we'll just say black panther black panther wakanda forever review and then we'll put in the description you know spoilers ahead so but we'll probably also have like a little part like like how you know some of the youtubers i I watch the convo youtubers you know like Here's our spoiler-free. Here's our, you know, here's with spoilers. Two separate mm-hmm. videos, but for us, we'll just be like, all right, here's here's our spoiler-free review. Here's here's where we're about to talk about it. Get get out now if you don't want to hear, and then right, we'll talk about it. Jump but, ahead or some such. Yes. So and then uh, I think that's been it. I'm working on Stan. Uh, you know, just imagine Stanley. Uh, I'm working on that. I'm working on a few uh, ones. So I think I finished. I know I finished Future State Justice League. So that was good. It's, yeah, it's I gotta catch up on that too. Future State is so good. The Future, future State, State that I have read read, is just like so good. Yeah. And that's the best part about Future State, though. It's kind of like here's potential futures. It's like, but you can also read them as their own things because they're as in a way own, old. Yeah. They're 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 they're. I treat them like I treat Spider Man 2099. While it's a future, right. it's still also its own reality. Right. Right. Very much so. Yeah, it's perfect. Ugh. Love it. 
Yeah, the Future State. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Future State Nightwing. Don't know why he has the chin strap, but for the most part, you know, we get to see plenty of Juan and Steve. I mean, so I'm all about it. He, I mean, he's a he's part of the GTO and Batman and Bat and White Knight Forever, Batman Beyond. Yeah. Bat, Batman White Knight Beyond. I don't know what the Ugh, fuck it's so. It. The White Knight is beyond beyond the White Knight. <laughs> the White Knight is involved. Oh, is it beyond the White Knight? Okay. Ah, uh, it's one of those, dude. It's God between Dark Knight's Metal. Oh gosh, yeah. The the titles get a little. Well, Dark Crisis. Well, now they got Dark Crisis. Now they got Dark Crisis. I did see that. Yeah. Apparently, from what I understand, bringing back the original multiverse. I'm like, can you fucking stop? Just please. I'm, I'm done. When will you learn that there are consequences? To yeah. Well, now apparently. Well, Lucifer from Vertigo is apparently slightly involved. Of course. But he's also he's I think he's also supposed to be the great darkness. Okay, I'm gonna read up on that after we after we do this here because that well, has Yeah. Okay. To my under- yeah. To my, yeah, to my understanding it's like the great darkness is it's the opposite of God, so Right. So he has just fully embodied his role. Okay. Or anyways. He, or he is he just takes the shit. I don't know. Anyway, we're the we're gonna go from that crazy shenanigans to we're gonna phase right into this. There you go. There That's go. the shoehorn we were looking for. Okay. Right. Take, take it away before while I go fucking wash my mouth out with soap or something. <laughs> so we're gonna start on Earth seven nine five nine six. Uh this is a version excuse me. <clears throat> I am somewhat recovering from a cold, so you may hear me cough now and then. I'll do my best to avoid the mic. Um this version of Kitty Pride is just simply called Cat. Um, and in her home reality of this version of Kitty Pride, Xavier and Sage seek to make Cat a part of their team. But when they attempted to reach her, she's already gone because she's recruited by Emma Frost into the Hellfire Club. Hey, um, hey Chris, I, who's Sage? Sage is a pretty important character. <laughs> Sage, Sage is Sage. Sage has thrown quite a bit of strife in the community um, sage is also or, sage oh, sage is also a mutant who's like fucking as as smart if not smarter than tony stark right right that's the thing Which, but in now addition, with tech more like with planning right right it's one of those it's it's one of those characters that you could very heavily argue as a MacGuffin. um and well her I and forge sort of, her, her i would say her and forge together equal tony stark but that's because like true but also if you take away their powers, they're just people. But if you take away, you know, right. uh, Tony Stark's armor, it's like, great, I'll build another one. But if you take yeah. away their mutant abilities, they, they're just... They got nothing. They got nothing. Right. That's the whole thing around mutants anyways. But anyways, we're not talking about Sage because I, I don't have the patience for it. Uh, I also tried to hear you squirm a little bit as I asked you a question you weren't prepared yeah. for. Great job. <laughs> you made me squirm. I hate Sage. Anyways... Emma Frost, we've, we've talked about briefly, very powerful telepath and leader of the Hellfire Club, if I if we haven't mentioned that before, but I think we have. Bear saying again, um, she recruits Kitty Pride, a.k.a. Cat. After doing some digging, Xavier and Sage find out that Emma seems to be influencing the other members of the Hellfire Club in order to perform more criminal acts for the club itself. So she's recruiting people to serve some sort of gain that Xavier and Sage aren't exactly sure of at this point. Um, Kat, though she's like very much an integral part of the group, especially since they're sort of taking part in these criminal acts, you know, somebody who can phase through solid matter is pretty friggin' important. Um, that being said, Kat never really fit in 
pun intended, or necessarily agreed with all the decisions made by the club and by Emma herself. So even when she was able to sort of, excuse me, expand her powers to physically possess a person without even touching their mind, she didn't really feel accepted within the club. So even though she's been able to push her limits and sort of rise herself to this ability that she thinks the club wants, and more specifically that Emma wants, she still doesn't really feel like it's a home. Um, And eventually Kat discovers that Emma is being controlled by the Shadow King, who is a powerful telepathic multiversal entity that is a representation of darkness. And this is one of those enemies that just like exists across the multiverse, right? So it's one of those that is a constant. Um, And so learning of this, Kat flees from the Hellfire Club. And somehow in the process of escaping, she becomes unhinged from time and is rescued by the exiles. The way that I sort of read through it was that the Shadow King sort of recognizes that she realizes the plan and in attempting to stop her sort of screws with the multiverse and it throws Kat into the into the path of the exiles and the exiles who we spoke of before is one of, once again one of those multiversal teams with various interchangeable members um and now cat is a part of it and now that she's a part of the exiles she rarely goes into the field and decides to stay behind more often than not within the crystal palace to um unlock its secrets and the crystal palace i don't think we've spoken of before um but that is very much sort of like the hq the base of the exiles it's sort of, once again, another one of those constants, another one of those places technically outside of time, but also with access to time that allows the exiles to sort of warp in and out. Um, and with Kat's abilities being able to phase in and out of solid matter, she can physically interact with the palace. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So while she's in the Crystal Palace, she is able to become somewhat more of a technological genius, right? She's able to work with the palace's what's called panopticron equipment. Um, So she becomes so invested that her mind works in sync with the palace, and she is the only person who is able to use the palace to its full potential. So this is when we kind of learn that the palace itself is somewhat of a living being in addition to also being technology. So it's like kind of bioorganic, which is really interesting. Um, And while the rest of the team is out on missions, Kat starts to notice through her own power level and through the palace that realities are dying much more quickly than normal. Um, At first, she doesn't really tell the rest of the team and continues to work with the palace to try and figure out why this is happening because at this point, nobody in the team can really do much about it other than her in the palace um, and try to fix it. But after confronting and killing a hydro-controlled Wolverine that makes it to the palace through shenanigans and bad warps, she befriends Sabretooth of that same reality and the two become close friends. And Sabretooth, as well as the rest of the team, start to notice that she is changing, excuse me, changing very subtly at first, though. So simply the presence of Sabretooth, funnily enough, is sort of what kicks this whole thing off. Um, And I guess his somewhat empathic alternate self, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. But uh, her true transformation, Cats, um, comes when Sage is fighting off her own multiple personalities Um, and is saved by Cat, who phases out of the palace wall to save her. So Sage is sort of fighting a different version of herself, um, and Cat is, at this point, basically a part of the palace, and she just sort of, like, reaches out of the wall and saves Sage. Um, And Cat claims that she could see the other personalities when the rest of the team couldn't, because she had been, quote-unquote, unlocked 
from their dimension. So this change was too quick for anyone else on the team to notice at first, but the longer she stays within the palace, Cat, the longer her consciousness was apart from her true body. So Sage is under attack from her different personalities, of which nobody else in the Exiles can help with. So Sage looks like a crazy person until Cat, as the Crystal Palace, steps in and is able to save her. Um, and while a part of the Crystal Palace, Cat is able to swap consciousness very, very briefly between the following characters. She is able to swap to Spider Woman, uh, which is in a different universe, which is funny considering that she was imagined as Spider Girl on Earth 13346 by May Parker. Uh, she swaps to a sleepwalker Kitty Pride, which is very weird. A Tigra Kitty Pride, a Wolverine Kitty Pride, and funnily enough, a Darkhawk Kitty Pride. Uh, most of which we have talked about. I don't think we've talked about Sleepwalker. Have we mentioned Sleepwalker, Zach? Uh, I think we may have mentioned it. We've mentioned but him, but I don't think we've really gotten in depth. I think we've gotten deep into it. It's sort of like a, a nightmare-type antagonist, to boil him down into a few words. That's basically what you're dealing with. Eh, kind of. He's not really antagonist, but he, he's, he's... That's he's true. A good, but you don't see him that often. I was about to say, he's a very rare character, which is why it's interesting and kind of odd. But... Um, the Exiles, eventually, we skip forward a bit after Kat sort of swaps consciousnesses throughout the multiverse. Um, the Exiles end up confronting Shi'ar Death Commandos at Susan Storm's Hydra in a separate universe on a different mission. Kat goes along with the rest of the team this time. So she leaves the palace because she recognizes that her consciousness is flip-flopping between realities so frequently that she's literally inhabiting other people's bodies and screwing up the multiverse because she's so powerful. Um, and at this point, in this reality she just can't she can't take it anymore so she goes with the team on a field mission and so in this reality with susan storm's hydra which is also another weird sentence um she wants revenge for the death of wolverine who initially came through that portal that i mentioned earlier to try and attack the exiles susan attacks but with cat's new power she's able to overcome susan and kill her by ripping out a major artery from her body literally just like phasing it out this is this is where the if she was a villain, she could fuck up some people. Right. And so even as, you know, a canonically or ethically good person within this earth, um, she is able to perform very devious acts if she so wished. Um, however, after doing so, the influx of power to cat killed her. And as she died in Mystique's arms, she saw all of her multiversal versions thanking her for her sacrifice. Right. So this is another Jesus. one of those things where it's checks and balances. I like this story. One, because it's so weird and it's timey wimey and I'm a sucker for that shit. But two, because she reaches a power level that is unobtainable. There's a sacrifice that needs to be made for it. And there's also a consistent check that is happening throughout the entire time while she's within the Crystal Palace. So that's why I really like this um, character. Now. <clears throat> excuse me this next character i'm gonna let zach talk about him but i'm gonna i'm gonna get up on a, a very small soapbox here for a second so this next character that zach's gonna talk about is captain kate pride um in addition to the red queen kitty pride 616 version very much being like a pirate captain motif we have seen pirate captain kitty pride and the following earths okay 5311 which is the one zach's gonna talk about TRN 839 and 2099. She's mentioned in Spider-Man 2099. We don't see her. 
Um, and she's mentioned in Exodus number five, which is part of Spider-Man 2099. So this is the thing where it's like, okay, we get it. You want to make Kitty Pride a pirate captain. So why are we doing it so much? Like, here's the thing. It's it. Uh, this is such a specific thing to go off about, but I feel like there's a lot of versatility. Not a versatility is the wrong word. There's a lot of interesting facets of her character that could be used in different roles. And consistently, Marvel has just been like, oh, but what if she was in it for the booty? And I'm just kind of sick of it, honestly. But there we go. There's my soapbox. The booty, I'm done. Not the, not, not the not butt. I mean, honestly, if you wanted to change your orientation, sh- like, sure, go for it. At least it would be different than a lot of the other stuff we saw, too. You know, I'm you don't just, even I'm have to change your orientation. She, she really wanted that metal butt, but she but they were going to get married. And then, nope. that's true. That's true. That's true. But that's, that's also my, my that's that's, that's, that's my slight soapbox. Kitty Pride is a pirate craft and is overused. But Zach's going to talk about the best one that I can find. Go ahead. I'm going to make myself much more dense and just avoid this conversation. <laughs> OK, that. I don't know where you're going with that one, but they tried there, Chris. Um, I'm going to mention so Cap- it. Fine. Okay. Captain Cape Pride. All right. In search of adventure and treasure, Captain Cape Pride sailed the Abdul Az- 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 Azared. I read it as Alzared, but I couldn't. Okay. Alzared. Uh, Abdul Az- Azared with her first mate, Colossus. Of course. Um, uh-huh. Upon arriving at the caliphate, uh, caliphate port of. New oh that's New how it's spelled York. yeah I hate that it was, yep. it was what is that it's supposed to be I don't know it's, it's all right it's spelled N Y U Y O R K H yep it's New York but it's got it's just insanely garbled spelling I don't okay, know why so the they decided why... not that I yeah. could find okay anyway uh they were attacked by the local const oh, there's a lot of words I'm gonna <laughs> you with all the vocab sorry man all right. <laughs> constabulary jesus all right i've never seen that word written um (laughs) and had to escape in large part thanks to colossus's abilities in the attack they had to leave behind their ship and fly away on lockheed kate's dragon oh so he's not a little uh bitch boy huge now by the way yeah he's he's a big dragon now i mean listen i feel like lockheed is is jealous of uh jubilee's son because he's apparently a dragon and fucking of the world anyway shade the shade has been thrown <laughs> well first off that that dragon is also a baby yeah. anyway it's a human baby uh not long after they met a powerful wizard known god damn it known as xavier and his noble prince companion psycho god, i hate this already right and that's the thing this is not the first time this idea is done and this is one of the best versions i could find anyways well this is the other one a bedtime story yep well Keep going, my friend. Oh, good lord. After learning she had a ship, Xavier asked if she could allow them to travel on it with her on their quest. Uh, they were hunting the Dark Fe- Fuck. The Dark Phoenix, an entity that replaced the soul of Lady Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Knowing that the trek back back to their captured ship was near impossible, instead Kate had them jump aboard Lockheed's back where she where she flew them across the ocean to a quiet uh, to a quiet countryside. There they made the imp, ba- the yep. imp Banff, a cigar-chomping creature known as the f- the fiend, uh, the fiend with no name, 
As well as wait. Oh, this is the bedtime story. Yay! I was waiting for it to click in. <laughs> as well as Wind Rider, because I only clicked with Wind with the Wind, Wind Rider's Rider. the big sort of puzzle piece. Whom they freed from her imprisonment in a in a bottle. The group agreed that Lady Jean was a threat that demanded all of their attention, so they agreed to work together. I'm laughing because I can because this is this is hilarious. Um, Solid the Dark Phoenix story, honestly. Sorry, uh, listen, go ahead. This, the Dark Phoenix eventually tracked them down and began to rain fire on them. So Captain Pride kept her distracted while Xavier used a magic orb to excise the Dark Phoenix from Jean and in the process return her soul. Much later, Kate and Colossus were contacted from another dimension by Nightcrawler, what? Uh, who asked for their aid in defeating a sorcerer, Chagrin. Uh, Kitty and Colossus reunited with Bamf and the Fiend with no name. To accompany Nightcrawler to Chagrin's castle. What the? Wait, hold on a fucking second. Why is Nightcrawler here? Um, together, the group took on a horde of Dreadwings, but was eventually overwhelmed and taken prisoner. Nightcrawler aided them in their escape, and eventually they took Chagrin by surprise and defeated her. Kitty, Colossus, and Lockheed parted ways with the rest of the team and continued her life as continued their life as nomadic pirates with, with their whereabouts and activities after the event being unknown. Why is... So, Why? do you remember when we discussed in the Storm episode, we talked about Wind Rider? Yes. And we did sort of discuss and break down this story, albeit in much more of a brief manner. Yeah. This reality becomes accessed when they are fighting Chagrin in a separate reality. So, this bedtime story becomes real, physical. This is fucking ridiculous, and I love it, but god damn it. X-Men, baby. (laughs) Good lord. Absurd. It is absolutely Mm -hmm. the bedtime story, but the problem is is that it is the bedtime story that has come to life. Well, I mean, I have to say, though. Yeah. um, That, you know, infinite multiverse, so. Yeah. Honestly, creative idea. Uh, Other than the fact that Kitty Pride was a goddamn pirate captain kind of cool i also love fiend with no name super funny but just like all of it's it's great it would make an excellent bedtime story for and also like kind of just a nice little easter egg but let's jump timelines here and we will go over to earth 811 where it's a very different name for kitty pride and this is a character known as widget it starts out as kitty pride but then it goes through a change um, so within the 616 universe, excuse me, the X-Men prevent the assassination of the anti-mutant Senator Robert Kelly. But in this timeline, the assassination is successful. Widespread mutant paranoia sweeps the world. And in the next election, an anti-mutant president wins by a landslide, passing the Genetic Purity Act and making the X-Men fugitives. So it all went belly up. And in addition to this, the government authorized the use of mutant killing machines known as Sentinels, which we have talked before, before, talked about before, um, and have been sort of shown in a couple different iterations through uh, Days of Futures Past. Um, I think think that's the only place we've seen them. We saw a head of one in X3, but that was a simulation. Well, also, uh, Days of Futures Past had the future ones and and the the, original ones. The original ones from... um, no, they did. Dinklage's character. Right. And the then... And everything. I don't think they used them in Apocalypse, and I didn't fucking watch Dark Phoenix, so I have no idea. They did not use them in Dark Phoenix. I saw Dark uh, Phoenix, and boy, do I I'm sorry. 
yeah, it was. Oh boy, there were some cringy lines in there. <laughs> but anyway, I honestly, and I know I've said it before, it's kind of time for my small soapbox. Right. I watched it, and then when they got to the part of aliens, and they mentioned, and I was like, oh, oh dude. No, first I was like, oh, the Shi'ar. Yep. And then they're shapeshifters. I'm like, eh, well, there could be certain yeah. members of the Shi'ar. And then, and then they're like, we are the, and they didn't say Shi'ar. I immediately turned it off. I'm like, nope, no fucking Yeah, good. it was something completely. And here's the thing. I had the great idea to go see that in the movie theater. So as soon as yeah. that whole ham fist came in, I was just like, oh, I'm stuck here now. I could have walked out, but I, 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 I had to see it through the end. Because by the time they reveal, there's like 15 minutes left. And I was like, I hey, I can't just leave. Uh, now. I didn't even get that far. Honestly, I might have just looked it up of like, oh, there's aliens. What are they? What are they? And I googled it, and I'm like, never mind. I don't know what this is, and I don't care. I was but like, they're not even Shi'ar. Sentinels are in the picture in this. Part. Okay. So Sentinels are tracking down and hunting the X-Men. Kate eventually marries Colossus, but Kate lives Finally. to see both Colossus and her children that she has with Colossus killed by the Sentinels within this universe. Right. Eventually, Kate is captured and put into a containment facility with Magneto, Xavier, Rachel Summers, and Franklin Richards, where they plan to alter the timeline and end the Sentinels' reign. So, Magneto and Xavier— again, Frank—I know we mentioned Franklin, but this— We have mentioned Franklin. I have issues with Franklin. This is a kid who can rewrite reality, and they captured him. Yeah. But I think think when this—this is Days of Futures Past, right? Yes. Okay, so I think by the time Future, Days of Future's Past came out, he wasn't as powerful, no, but they yeah. knew he was technically a mutant, so he might not have been when like in as in in modern day Marvel, like in six one six, he wasn't mm-hmm. he was kind of a reality warper, but he wasn't as but it was like very small scale, so that's why it was like it's like oh how can you capture somebody who can rewrite reality? Because at the time he couldn't do that. It wasn't until mm-hmm. much later that he was he had the capabilities to do so the way that they wrote it in at this time because this is a very early x-men comic as well well earlier not very early um franklin is identified as having the mutant gene and that's enough for the sentinels to take him right and in addition to rachel summers and sort of like her crazy powers as well we also have xavier and magneto so kate just sort of kind of gets locked up with the lottery uh so Rachel uses her psionic powers to exchange adult Kate's consciousness with her teenage self to try and warn the X-Men that the assassination attempt would cause such a future, and it works. However, well, hold on. Let me let me gloss over that for a second. Rachel takes Kate's consciousness, projects it backwards in time to her teenage self before this whole assassination attempt goes down and everything goes shit, just goes, goes to shit, um, and it works, right? So she is able to convince the X-Men that this is what's going to happen. We need to prevent this from happening. It works. She was able to convince them. However, Kate returns to her original body and finds that all the other X-Men who protected her unconscious body, save for Rachel, are dead. And she has no idea what's happened. So Magneto, Xavier, and Franklin, Dunzo, right? Additionally, Kate and Rachel find that their reality remains unchanged. So nothing uh-huh. has happened. Strange. So, aha, uh-huh, yep. To investigate why this is happening, Rachel sends her astral self into the past uh, Kate traveled into and realized that she had actually crossed time streams. She had sent Kate's consciousness to the wrong teenage self. So she had altered a different time stream, not their own. So while traveling back to her body, yep, the Phoenix Force attached itself to Rachel. And upon arriving back in 811, 
Rachel passes out from the exertion of, of travel and the Phoenix Force makes itself known to Kate. Excuse me. After the Phoenix Force sort of reveals itself to Kate, Kate bargains with it, asking to send Rachel instead of herself to the past so she could try and fix it and forget all of the horrors that she's experienced while she was protecting Kate's unconscious body, right? The Phoenix Force agrees and boosts Rachel's powers so that she could do so. Kate also hypnotizes Rachel to do this when she says the words Dark Phoenix as a contingency plan. So Kate already has a plan to sort of try and fix things here and now with herself and Rachel. However, in case things don't go to plan, she makes a deal with the Phoenix Force to save Rachel and sort of like a noble type sacrifice. So the next day, the pair break into a top secret facility manufacturing the most advanced Sentinels yet to try and plant a nuclear bomb. However, Imran. right before it could detonate, the advanced Sentinels attacked and uh, the two survived the blast due to Kate's phasing abilities. However, Kate suffers terminal amounts of radiation in the process. The two of them flee. They're pursued by guards, uh, but are trapped within a container in which Kate's phasing ability would not allow them to escape. So Kate looks to Rachel, realizing things are sort of over, and says Dark Phoenix in an attempt to save Rachel's life. After this, Kate is captured, and the soldiers attempted to use the residual effects of the warp to bring Rachel back. This is the warp that sent Rachel into the other timeline. So now we're finding that the forces somehow have the ability to harness the leftover energy from that warp to try and bring Rachel back. That's what they're trying to do. However, as they did, they put an inhibitor collar on Kate, but it broke and it failed. And she merges with the warp as they sort of harness that residual energy. Kate's consciousness comes to rest in a tiny spherical metal body where at first she's an amnesiac as her mind is still processing the information of other realities because she's been catapulted through time and space. But she eventually meets her younger teenage self who out of fear short circuits Kate's consciousness in this little metal sphere known now as Widget. Shadow Cat from this reality, which is another alias that you see Kitty Pride take up a lot, uh, takes her to the lighthouse headquarters where she is reunited with Rachel now calling herself Phoenix. Eventually, the team makes their way back to 616, where Widget, with her memories now restored thanks to the reverse effects of the travel, reprograms the Sentinels to protect all remaining life instead, and Widget currently resides in Otherworld as a companion to the Braddock family. There you go. That's that. So I ended that rather quickly, but that whole thing, insane. So it's honestly a little bit more kate pride than it is widget but she ends up as widget and currently is widget so in another reality entirely. in another reality entirely so it's a separate sort of character and this is why i say i love the x-men they're they're I, I hesitate to say it but as confusing as it can get and as many branches as we've got the many x-men storylines are you looking up a picture of widget i feel bad now yeah dude it's not a nice fate however she's you know at this point, she's gotten enough upgrades, um, and I mean, she's with the Braddock family, so you, you could you could ask for know, a whole is lot still less. There? We're not sure. At at as of this point, her whereabouts are that she's remaining with the Braddock family. So I, I don't have anything extra to add to that. Okay. But that's what we got. So, yeah, and then we're gonna move on to some um, quicker mentions here, and then we're gonna try and break the mold a little bit and we're going to talk about some offspring so i'm going to have zach talk about this next character 
I'll mention a couple evolutions of the character of Kitty Pride throughout the 616 universe that I really like. And then we'll talk about her children who have sort of a conjoined storyline. But we got to start with Zach first. And I mentioned earlier in the episode that you don't typically get a lot of ethically skewed versions of Kitty Pride. This is like the one sort of like deeply skewed one that I did find. Okay. So this is Kit Pride, right? So this is, uh, <clears throat> so small appearance with a larger story as a fascist mob boss in this universe. So she's from earth 23, 23, eight. Yeah. Uh, this earth is taken over by justice, justicers, Justice. I think I read it as justicers. Justicer? I don't know. Anyway. It's, it's, it's a weird tense, honestly. Yeah. Uh, a powerful police force met, meant to quell the mutant powers and hold on and their hold on society. However, the group worked too well and nearly wiped them all out. Jesus. All right. Yeah. And um, honestly, if you look up a picture of the justicers, um, I don't know when Judge Dredd was created exactly. I didn't have time to look it up. But you can definitely see influence if he was not created or if Dread came about beforehand uh, in saying that the Justicers look nearly goddamn identical to Judge Dredd. But that's neither here nor there. Well, now I want to see a picture of him. Yeah, look him up real quick. Very interesting. Well, Very Lord interesting. High Justicer doesn't a... look like him. Lord High Justicer does not, no. But okay. there is no, a... Justicer Bull, yep. If you look up, okay. yeah, if you look up the cover of the one issue that Kit Pride shows up in, there's like two or three of them on the cover, and you can very much see the likeness. Yeah, no, I see it. Okay, so Kit and other mutants live as criminals on the fringes of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the commander of this universe's uh, magic, and it is her who saves Kit's life, if only temporarily, when attempting to bring Excalibur into their dimension, Dark Child, as she comes to be known, saves Kit by pushing her from the tower. They summon Excalibur on as a train crashes through the dimensional portal nearly after nearly being arrested by the Justicers. She dies in the aftermath of her wounds and nearly drowning. So very short. But yeah. Well, okay. It's, my it's issue linked together with, magic, with a with though? a much with a much larger storyline. Go ahead. My issue with magic. It's because I'm not sure. First off, we have Limbo, like the Limbo she's from, and then like True Limbo, mm-hmm. which is where Mortis is from. Mm-hmm. But like, it, I don't know. I'm just like, I always felt like Limbo, especially with that, you can technically teleport there and then teleport to any other dimension. Like, I feel like it's linked, but then it's, then, then they don't always do that. You know what I mean? No, they don't. Yeah. And that's sort of one of the reasons that I wanted to highlight this is that it's a little. It, not only is it sort of linked to a larger story that has to do with Limbo and everything that Zach said, but it also breaks the mold a little bit as far as like X-Men time travel and dimension hopping stories go. So I thought it was interesting, worth mentioning. Um, a couple of versions of Kitty Pride that I want to talk about that sort of evolved from her 616 self. Um, for a while, she picks up the mantle of Star-Lord, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, she was also dating Starlight at the time. She dates him. She also gets married to him at one point. But that's she... also okay. That's also my slight issue with certain legacy characters. Okay. And this is my soapbox a little bit. It. And I also saw this from Comic Story. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like I'm okay with you build a character up to to replace another. My issue right. is when the status quo gets involved because like. Like now, now, current, even now, when you say Wolverine, you're, there's two different ones you can talk about. Even with Miles, even with Spider-Man, if right. you need to differentiate, you have to say Miles or Peter. 
Yeah. But Wolverine, it's which one are we talking about? Logan yep. or Laura? When she was Starlight, I was like, oh, oh, cool. And then they bring Peter back. I'm like, what the fuck was the point? Yeah, that's the thing. It was a cool iteration, but that was that's also what I was going to mention is that it was kind of pointless. Um, it was cool to have her in sort of the leader of a team type role. But once again, I think she has filled roles like that in alternate universes better. Um, and also where she is now, I think just fits her a lot better. Um, that being said, continuing on with the Guardians of the Galaxy trend, she eventually, with that whole Guardians of the Galaxy piece, is merged with something called the Black Vortex, um, which is a very, very powerful artifact that is able to sort of like elevate mutant powers. Um, and it turns her into, you know, once again, sort of a godlike being, but she is able to actually phase an entire planet um, out of a dense amber that the brood actually traps it in. So the brood is something we talk about with X-Men, sort of a alien virus, gross bug creature. If you're a fan of the Halo was it series, the brood the or was it, Thane? it was the brood, but it was also with Thane was involved in the story, but the brood is what had encased the planet. Okay. And Kitty was able to use the black vortex powers to literally just pull the planet out of it. And after pulling the planet out of it, Star-Lord is like literally on one knee next to her and he proposes and they get married and it's all happy-go-lucky and that sort of great stuff. Um, if you're not one sure more who mention, the name is, um, yeah. he's Thanos' bastard son. Oh yeah, and he's honestly a very interesting character. Um, there's also been a couple iterations of her where she gets like claws from Wolverine, like in X-Men Forever, where she phases through him and she starts to gain some of his abilities. Um, questionable, up in the air, whether or not people like it, including myself. Um, Age of Apocalypse is another sort of example of that where it was she was actually thrown into the Weapon X program, uh, but that character was sort of forgotten, but then brought back in a spinoff of the 2015 Secret Wars event. Um, and there's this really cool comic book panel of her just like breaking Star-Lord's helmet because he thinks it's original Kitty Pride, and she's got the claws and she's about to slam him down into him. I saw that picture and I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? And it wasn't a whole lot, but I wanted to mention it because it's cool. Um, and last but not least, final honorable mention before we talk about her kids, uh, her as the Shroud in the 1610 universe. Not a whole lot has changed for this version of Kitty Pride, um, but she uses her powers to become more dense more often than not. And she feels kind of like a mysterious superhero role because it comes after the events of the ultimatum crossover event. And she's forced to hide the facts that she is a superhero along with the rest of the heroes of the world. And she feels sort of like this weird questionable prophet role at first. And nobody really knows who she is and she's mysterious. And then she reveals herself and it's this big deal. And yeah, there's just, there was just a lot of buildup to it. So I wanted to mention it. Um, so those are the honorable mentions I have for Kitty pride. Now let's talk about her kids. So she has two kids with Colossus uh, Christina in, in an alternate reality and an alternate reality with, of Earth it, two two one two five one five eight. Go ahead. What was the question you were going to ask? Oh, well, I was going to say like which Earth, but it's it's you said it, yep. and then it's it's the um, years of future past, or is it years of future present? Uh, it is years of future past. Okay, which is I believe from 2015 Secret Wars. 2015. Time yep, it is. Yeah, so it's similar to the 2015 tie-in that i just talked about with her like literally just being wolverine um which we love it powerful female queen so uh chrissy or christina pride as well as cameron pride 
Okay, so uh, Christina Pride sort of inherits what's called she's a ferrous polymorph. Um, so think of if you've seen Terminator, uh, the T-10,000, the guy who can turn into like liquid metal. There you go. That's her. So she can not only change her state, but she can change her state into a metal form, which I think is pretty cool. Cameron kind of gets the short end of the stick and is just able to do like the solid phase through matter thing, which the fact that that's the short end of the stick, I think is kind of funny. Um, and also a little bit up for debate, I think. So Cameron um, is born shortly before uh, the Mutant Control Act that leads all surviving mutants to being interned under the under the orders of Baron Robert Kelly, who is very much like an antagonist in this world, sort of think like anti-mutant or genetic purity act type guy. Um, and Kitty Pride is actually taken away by Sentinels. Uh, Logan gets Cameron to safety and raises him as his own son. Um, and Logan never tells Cameron the truth about his parents. Um, and it sort of gives him a reimagined, ambiguous, excuse me, idea about his mother. Um, and Cameron is trained as a hunter by Logan, and he grows up in sort of like the wilds, very sort of like feral and stuff like that. When he's 17, Cameron and Logan meet the surviving X-Men after they lead a successful escape from the camps. Um, Cameron starts to grow closer to his now sister, Chrissy Pride, who he meets, who was born before him. Um, although they didn't really know of their relationship at the time. Or excuse me, after him, my mistake. Um, they didn't know of their relationship at the time. Cameron is born before Chrissy, and because of that, um, because of him born... Sorry, that's just, right. I remember reading that, and I was like, these two are getting, these, I'm like, oh, that be, it's kind of cute. Oh, no. Not at all, yeah. So Cameron... Like, um, uh, no, stop, please. Right, if he was born before the camps happened, he may have received an official birth certificate and a last name, uh, because his sister Chrissy, who's born after him, does take her mother's last name, Pride, um, but Cameron could potentially be either Rasputin or Pride. Depends on how you want to look to him. We're referring to him as Cameron Pride simply because we're talking about Kitty this episode. Um, however, since he was raised by Logan, um, he refers to himself pretty much just as Cameron, um, as this version of Wolverine never apparently uncovered his origin as James Howlett. So he's just kind of a dude without a last name. So a little bit of an interesting fact there. But he grows closer to his younger sister, Chrissy Pride. They don't know of their relationship yet, um, and it wasn't until the Sentinels attacked Angel's Centrum that Kate accidentally lets it slip who Cameron's real parents were. So she meets him, and she learns before he does who he is, and she's planning on bringing it up to him, and it comes out in a battle, as it always does, right? And funnily enough, the X-Men's next mission that they go up on is, ironically, to save the life of Baron Kelly, the same guy who started this whole, you know, issue and sort of interned all of these mutants um so once again we see the x-men in a position of trying to do the greater good for the person who put them in that horrible position in the first place um which i think is an interesting idea to keep revisiting and i like that it's sort of told through the lens of a sibling rivalry here um so now they are trying to save baron kelly right rachel summers uncovers information that a sentinel has in fact been infected with a virus that would cause the sentinel to run amok and target Kelly. So something has changed within the sentinel's framework to make it want to attack Kelly specifically, as well as humans after him instead of the X-Men or instead of mutants. So the X-Men hope that a public showing of the new generation of mutants, namely Cameron and Chrissy fighting to save Kelly's life, 
despite his politics, would help to lead to reform and the end of the Mutant Control Act, which has then been instated by Baron Kelly. However, even after evidence made it appear that Kelly was deliberately targeting himself in order to blame mutant kind, the plan sort of remains the same. So they uncover information thinking that this may this whole thing may have been a patsy just to make Kelly look better. Um, however, not all the X-Men are on the same page. Not everybody wants to save Kelly, as you do. Uh, they very much <laughs> quickly afterwards learn that Magneto and Rachel have modified the Sentinels virus to also target Chrissy and Cameron. They're intending to make martyrs of the young mutants that have been shown as being united and are trying to present a good front for the people of the world, the people who are left of the world, to show them that mutant kind are good people. And Magneto and Rachel are like, fuck that. We're going to take out everybody, and we're going to take control. So at this point, Cameron has absolutely enough of mutant politics. He's done with all of like the bullshit, and he believes that mutants are an evolutionary dead end that has plagued humanity and need to be pruned from the gene pool, his own words. As the last generation of mutants, he thinks that he and Chrissy needed to attack Kelly, making the final push necessary to eradicate mutant kind. So we start start to see Cameron could be because of his upbringing, could be because of all the politics, who knows, nature versus nurture sort of approach to this. He sort of aligns a little bit with Magneto and Rachel, even though they're trying to kill him. And so Cameron attacks Kelly on Air Force One. He corners him. But Chrissy stays with her idealist self and attacks her brother to defend Kelly. And as Lockheed sort of spirits Kelly to safety, Chrissy makes the sacrifice of killing Cameron to stop him from going after Baron Kelly in hopes that good mutants standing up against evil mutants would make a larger point for the greater good of everybody everywhere. So it is brutal, but I honestly think it's a pretty cool story. Um, You got to love a well-told tragedy, even though, you know. The, the, the metaphor of mutants so often attracts tragedy. But the fact that we're taking Kitty Pride and morphing her into a legacy that represents mutant kind, I think is really cool. And this is a recommendation that Zach made when I was making the notes. So this, this is all him for sort of being like, we should talk about these guys because they're important. And I absolutely agree. I mean, so. yeah, because like, I mean, it's like now, you know, it didn't really change much, unfortunately. No. But uh, it's still interesting the fact of it. Again, like yes, you have a brother and sister. They, they, they want to get along and stuff. But one was raised by Logan, so who is he going to become more like? Is the guy he thinks right. is his dad? Right. Exactly. Right. And whether because he very much becomes like a man with no name. You know, his his morals are a little bit more ambiguous because of Logan. So it's just well written. And you're right. It sucks that it doesn't really come to much fruition or change much in the larger universe. But they're cool characters. So we got to talk about them because that's what we do here. So uh, going backwards in order of appearances, if we're going to talk about uh, Kitty Pride's kids, you are going to look for them in Years of Future Past, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 5. That's where you're going to find them. Um, if you are looking for sort of the one shot that I talked about um, with Kitty being the Shroud, that's in 1610 universe. So you need to read Ultimates in order to find that. Um, and also just like if, you've, if you're listening to us at this point and you haven't started reading Ultimates, 
do your homework because like Ultimates is worth it and it's great. And I promise you will love it uh, because it's like a really, really cool take on all of the heroes and it's worth it. Trust me. That's where you'll find Shroud. Um, the other versions of Kitty that I talked about, um, you are going to find in 616 with her being the Red Queen, as well as her being Star-Lord, as well as her being the Black Vortex. Um, the other ones where she gains sort of Wolverine's powers, there's X-Men Forever, as well as the 2015 spinoff of Secret Wars. They're very, very small. Um, but if you're interested, that's where you'll find them. If you're looking for Kit Pride of Earth 23238, she is in one issue. That is Excalibur Volume 1, Issues 23, Issue 23, excuse me. Uh, if you're looking for Widget from Earth 811, there's more than one Widget. So this one we talked about you're going to find in these issues, which is Excalibur Volume 1, Issues 1 through 67, Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, Issues 142, 188, 192, and 202, as well as Uncanny X-Force Volume 1, Issues 21 to 23. If you want to read about Captain Kate Pride from Earth 5311 and not the other six universes I noted that she has become a fucking pirate captain in, <laughs> uh, you're going to find her in Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, Issues 153, and Nightcrawler Volume 1, Issues 3 and 4. And Issues 3 and 4 of Nightcrawler is where that universe sort of becomes a reality and it bleeds into an actual universe. So that's when it gets interesting. Um in my opinion, if you are looking to read about Cat from Earth 79596, you are going to find her in Exiles Volume 1, Issues 96 to 100, X-Men Die by the Sword Volume 1, Issues 2 through 5, and New Exiles Volume 1, Issue 1, and Issues 5 through 17. So there you go. That is Kitty Pride. That is a incredibly versatile character who I wish there was more done with and who I wish they would stop turning into a pirate and start making her a bad guy or do more with her daughter, because those are some of the most interesting parts about her, I think, because we've done a lot with her character and I'm going to, I don't know, like phase into Marvel comics and try to like control their minds and get them to be like, Hey, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do with this character. And I don't know why you're, not doing it but yeah i didn't realize that i felt this strongly about kitty pride i'm sort of realizing this as i'm taking the notes and recording this episode the, the I, only, I, I like the her character a lot more than i thought i did <laughs> yes well it's one of those where it's like uh, oh my god she is a currently a pirate but we've also seen even before she was currently a pirate she's been a pirate before she's been a pirate now they're else. just like making it within the main universe and i'm like great awesome this is new not but I, I, I like the name, even though she's technically still a pirate. I would like to see her elevate to some sort of level of an actual queen. But we'll see. Yeah. X-Men is in a good place as it is right now, in my opinion. So I'm not too upset by it. Uh, just a little butthurt over the character specifically. But I'll write in my journal about it. And then I'll take that journal and I'll phase it down to the depths of my underground bunker and leave it there so no one will ever find it. And hey, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. I'm rambling. Please, please end the episode. All right. Well, we're gonna phase out of here. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> you did the same one I did. How are you any better? Because I didn't keep rambling. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So that has been this episode of Forgotten Heroes. Join us next time for another comic book character. Bye.